Well, I don't feel like I'm a part of the everyday American society, and I don't want to be, let me tell you. Okay? I do my damnedest to tear it down. A governor's task force has determined that punk rockers are society's new subversives and must be treated as such. Taxation is theft. Oh! God damn it, motherfucker! We're talking peace, love, and honor. FBI is feeling the heat. Your own conscience, your own morality, your own decision, your own self. You alone can do it. There is no authority but yourself. The BR Hates Fed Show. Welcome to the Rice Fields, motherfuckers. What's up, lads and ladies? I'm BR. And I hate feds. And today is Tuesday the 19th of October 2021. And we have a fair bit to get into today. Lots of lots of news going on in the world. But before we dig into that, I wanted to give a quick shout out to someone who's not paying me. Just, uh, this guy is a friend of damn near everyone who's worth talking to on Liberty Twitter. And that is Greg over at Neophyte Gear. So, Shout out to him. I just got my package from his uh, his little startup, Neophyte Gear LLC. And again, not being paid for this. He, he's been putting out some hot sauces. I enjoy buying hot sauces from my fellow, you know, libertarian and anarchist crowd. Uh, got, I picked up some THC-infused stuff from Childerberg, and that was kick-ass. And, uh, and Greg had his, he has his own line of hot sauces he sells from his tactical gear kind of company. Uh, Red Flag, Green Tip, Federal Glow, and Slav Squat, and they are pretty fucking good. Uh, absolutely made our, uh, our burritos, me and the lady cooked up the other night. So, um, I bought myself a four pack of those, uh, but the reason, so I, I was gonna grab myself some whole sauces and some, some meme patches from his store anyway, but uh, he reached out to me and, and told me a uh, you know a, f a friend of the e militia had won a Tango Four uh, Sig LPVO scope and he had this uh, competition this giveaway going to promote his brand and so uh, the guy won a scope he had no use for it himself he said you know no rifle to put on quite yet and so uh, he sent a message my way asking if I'd have a use for it, and, you know, I'm not one to turn down uh, a scope I can chuck on something. It was much appreciated, and I said, you know, absolutely take it off your hands. And uh, Greg said, uh, if I want to grab some bits, you know, chuck it all together, one package, I'll send the scope my way, and whatever I order. So, uh, grabbed, yep, the hot sauces, and then uh, the no fuds allowed patch, the I just wanted to be left alone patch, and... Jalapeno's currency of the future, because you know, gotta keep Jared, good old biting the bullets, Jared in our in our thoughts. I I just got all those really really nice high quality patches. The sources are fucking killer, and the scope, you know, fucking awesome. Really really appreciate that. And uh, that was um, a guest we had on the E Militia who who sent that my way, who uh, donated the prize my way instead of taking it himself. Uh, Corey Dedevilus. He came on our Prison Abolition episode, that's episode 68, along with Asakist 
and um, Jace Dog, aka Flintlock Faction, and we had a, a great discussion with Melon Buckles on prison abolition. So um, yeah, big shout out to Greg and big shout out to Corey Dedevilus. I uh, really appreciate that. It will find a home, and uh, I'm gonna get some. See, I'm so fucking backed up with my schedule. It's quicker to just shout out this rather than get the pictures organized. I've taken the pictures. I wanted to edit them all nice, you know, do some Lightroom stuff. I'm fucking ridiculous. So, uh, eventually, I will have a nice little, uh, nice little post together, and saying this on air is going to force me to get it done sooner rather than later. Uh, famous last words. Let's look at the, uh... Defensive Warfare Against the State book, and several articles I've talked about, but let's not get into that. So, anyway, uh, one last time, big thank you to Greg at Neophyte Gear and Corey Devilus. Check them out if you haven't already. I'm going to put a link in this episode's description to uh, Greg's store. Check them out. Yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not about uh, ignoring our friends in this community's brands just because we may have a brand or whatever it might be. It's, you know... Rising tide lifts all ships, and I fucking love seeing people building their own brands and doing entrepreneurial shit to secure that that sweet bag, <laughs> so we can uh, we can continue doing what we want to do in this life. So um, yeah, very fucking cool stuff, and uh, yeah, really really appreciate that from those guys, uh, both of them. Oh, and uh, one last thing on Neophyte Gear, they've got um, 3D printing support, so effectively. They've got all sorts of uh, bits and pieces to help you put together a 3D printed build. So um, it's it's more than just you know like a few bits and pieces of tactical gear and hot sources. It's genuinely shit you'll need to uh, to make that Ender three work for you, <laughs> if you get what I mean. So um, yeah, very cool. Check him out. As I said, link in the description. Uh, so anyway. Wanted to get on with some news for the week, because a fuck ton's been happening. I mean, for one, I won't spend too long on it, because uh, I posted about it. Famed war criminal Colin Powell is dead. The uh, the ripe old age of 84. He probably lived a comfortable life until he got some fucking cancer. <laughs> and uh, I, I think COVID in the end is what killed him, even though he was double jabbed. Uh, but, you know, he, he had cancer, and he was 84, so... And, uh, yeah, he, he didn't have a fucking soul. I'm sure he was just a, a hollow shell the last 20 years of his life, uh, since he lied about those fucking WMDs in Iraq. So, yeah, uh, no one gives a fuck. Rest in piss, um, Colin Powell. <laughs> Rest in piss, Colin Powell. Sounds like a fucking rugby chant or something. Rest in piss, Colin Powell. I don't know. Yeah, fucking... Death to kings and tyrants, man. So, uh, but, but the weird thing is, so many, like, liberal Twitter has been sucking him off, and it's, it's so frustrating. Every single time something happens in the world, and you're like, oh, come on, everyone's gotta be, like, having a, a smirk about this, you know, and you're like, even the liberals, like, even those boring fucking Democrats have gotta see some, some humor in this, right? And so you're like, oh, cool, war criminal dies, guy who lied about weapons of mass destruction, and, and the capability to manufacture them being a, a reality in Iraq. Meanwhile, Saddam ends up hiding in a fucking spider hole. <laughs> like, they, that was bullshit, dude. And uh, people were fucking being apologists for him and, like, rewriting this... They're, they're literally trying to rewrite history in front of our eyes and, and paint him as this big hero and this, like, 
regretful guy who, you know, he might have said some thing, some, you know, things that killed hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Iraqis, but, you know, fuck it, he was, uh, he was the first black secretary of state, so that's gotta count for something, right? Nah, I mean, when you have blood on your hands, it doesn't really matter what the color of skin is under that blood, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't fucking, why would you get an excuse? That's ridiculous. Human to human, if you're responsible for fucking bloodshed, you're generally seen as a bad person. And if we're talking about your skin color, we are fucking lost. <laughs> like, you're a murderer, a mass murderer, a murderer for profit, and a murderer with no fucking shame. Not, like, not that there's something more honorable about the Zodiac Killer or some shit compared to Colin Powell, but this man's going on TV and preaching why we need to be committing murder, which is... You know, not too different from, uh, what was that bitch's name? Madeleine Albright, the deaths of 500,000 Iraqi children was worth it. And this bitch is all like, you know, giving her boo-hoos and, oh, Colin Powell, you know, treasured collie, good guy kind of bullshit. It's like, you're, you're just as evil, you fucking cunt. Go away, disappear back into the, the shadows that the Bush administration's been hiding in. And, and creeping out in whenever there's a celebration of pre-Trump politics. It's like, oh yeah, you know, all of these guys are now exempt from their, their literal war crimes because a fucking ignorant oath who was dyed orange and, you know, was flowing the nationalist shit instead of the neocon neoliberals spiel. Um, so that is the bad guy and everything before is exempt from judgment. Go and fuck yourself. That's, it's, it's fucking insane how we're watching history be rewritten in front of us. It's something to be very wary of, and to absolutely reject. And thank fuck the internet, though it is becoming more corporatized, it's literally, I like to think of it, the internet was the Wild West, and currently we have a very, very fucking heavy incursion of Pinkertons and other corporate fingers in the business sanitizing and making it, making the entire internet one big mall, you know, one big soulless mall, instead of this place of infinite potential and, you know, potential of all strokes, good, the bad, and the ugly. The internet's not a, just a good place, it's not just a bad place, it was a decentralized zone for information to be spread and exchanged, etc. And now it's becoming this big fucking strip mall. It's, it's just, it's a place to make money. It's a place for, well, the right people to make money. The, uh, the appropriate channels who have been cleared. And that's fucking terrifying. So it's a beautiful thing when we see people still using that last, those last vestiges of, uh, the internet being the Wild West to just outright, you know, tag politicians or whatever and say, hey, your dead friend was a war criminal and so are you, and we're gonna laugh at you when you die, and meme you. That shit, as juvenile as it might seem, is important. It is important to fucking cyberbully these people, and to kind of keep them in check with what reality is. Because these people, they live in their ivory towers, but we've been seeing recently, like, uh, like Bush getting shouted down by that, 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 
while he was giving a speech on, uh, I think it was the anniversary of 9-11. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden getting shouted at, Clinton, Trump, all these fucking people. You know, if they're at a public event and someone just walks within earshot and goes, fuck you, you're a murderer, fuck you, you know, because of this, this is fucked. You have fucking killed people, you have imprisoned people, you're a fucking piece of shit. You know, just, just those little snippets where you can make God bleed. And I don't mean in like a, in a literal sense, you're, you're, you're bruising those very fragile, well-groomed egos. Because these people are not like you and I. They didn't, you know, pop out of regular, shitty public school and manage to, you know, work their way up to the top. These people are a different fucking breed. And I'm not talking lizards, though that is up for debate. <laughs> like, these these people, they just grew up fucking different. Their lifestyle is alien to yours. They're fucking, they come from, like, Mayflower kind of money. You know, families that almost certainly fuck kids and drink their blood. <laughs> and I say that in a ever more loosely ironic way. I, I don't know where I sit with that shit anymore. But, you know, so, so to be able to just reach out and touch these people in any regard is beautiful. And uh, I hope that's something the internet really fights to, to cling on to, is making these people feel like shit, like fucking dirt, and common as muck like the rest of us, because that's what needs to fucking happen. These people need to have their legacies besmirched. It, it's so funny seeing families like the Cheneys, uh, the Clintons, the Bushes, uh, the fuck, McCain, all of these, you know, wannabe legacies, uh, they're just getting shat on by the people. They're, they're like, fuck you, no, we don't want a, a dynasty, we don't want this American royalty, go and fuck yourself. And of course, of course there's people, people who clamor for it, they want the next, the next president to be an Obama or a Clinton or whatever it might be, you know, Republican or Democrat, people are like, oh, he's a Kennedy about some, some guy, you know, it's like, who gives a fuck? So, it, it's important to kind of, uh, not just peek behind the curtain, but rip it off the fucking rings so everyone can really see what these people look like and make them feel small. Make make sure, you know, it's, it's not like Biden's sitting there on his phone or something, but make, make their fucking social media teams have to tell a few porkies when it comes time to have their, their little roundup on, on how things are going, how the public's perceiving them, you know, a little bit of uh, let's go Brandon. <laughs> oh, shout out to Spirit of Resistance, he's releasing a Let's Go Brandon shirt, and it's, I fucking love that stuff. Uh, for, for those who don't know, there was this viral clip of, um, because it's been going around that people have been chanting, fuck Joe Biden, at various sporting events. It started off with college games, and then it was just expanding all over the place to big crowds of people just chanting, fuck you Biden. And it's funny, because it's undeniable when this happens, and... It's also funny because, you know, Biden is, he's pro-lockdowns. So when people are at these big public gatherings, you know, the, the people who are afraid of those things in general and, and against them happening are going to be more pro-Biden, whereas the people attending them are going to be like, no, fuck you, I want to keep on doing this. This is what I love, you know, big sporting events. And so um, it, it, it's funny how it's just become this natural phenomena 
And so recently there was a, a clip from a, I think it was like a NASCAR event or something in that vein, some kind of uh, racing event. And, you know, the, the, the crowd's shouting, fuck you, Biden. And, um, and so this reporter, all smiley, is like, I, I think she, she, I don't know, I, I think she's interviewing someone called Brandon. And so she's like, oh, listen to the crowd. They're saying, let's go, Brandon. And so now it's become this coded thing where, you know, people, people will comment, let's go, Brandon, under, like, sarcastically under a Biden post where he's, like, announcing some awful new policy or, or any news articles that say how his administration is doing. And, uh, and it's even been shortened to just LG week, which is fucking awesome. It's like, it's the most innocent takedown. It's not like the only person it's harming is Biden. You know, it's not, there is no way to misread this. It's just a way of saying, I don't like the current president. So anyway, that's all pretty fun. What else is going on? We have this fucking shipping crisis, which, uh, so I, I read a pretty good article on it. Um, surprisingly from, what was it? Yahoo Finance. Uh, it was called uh, This Crazy Shipping Crisis Explained. And I'll, I'll chuck a link to it in the description. But essentially, they hit all of the, you know, they, they, they break down pretty good detail and without, to my knowledge, any Keynesian economics. I'm going to take what this guy was talking about, Andy Sower and Max Zahn, and I'm going to break down what these guys were talking about and essentially why the shipping crisis has happened broken down Barney style. So the shipping crisis, uh, initially it was a result of lockdowns. So, you know, uh, factories and basically manufacturers of every possible good you could think of, including food, you know, were shut down for long periods of time. And that's why we had the initial supply shortages way back when. Now, it's moved on to ships. And so for anyone who understands kind of how supply works in business, we have this choke point, this bottleneck, where uh, supply issues happen. And that can shift at any point in production or any point in the, the process. So it's, it, at this point, it's on shipping. And now 90% of the world's freight is shipped by sea and 70% in containers. So that is a big issue because there's only so many ships out there, and uh, we'll, we'll get into it, but there's a whole host of problems you encounter with that particular kind of setup. And we're increasingly fucked, because we are more, more and more reliant on foreign goods. And so, you know, we're shipping things into the country rather than producing them here, which means that, you know, it has to go through all the, the bullshit regulations, and the all, all the various just simple infrastructure challenges that come with everything arriving through this choke point where um, we have a limited number of ships, limited number of drivers, and limited number of dock workers for all sorts of reasons, many of them government manufactured. So, I think it's something like 36% of all shipped freight coming into the US comes in through LA. LA which, uh, as we all know, is absolutely fucked with COVID restrictions and vaccine mandates and all sorts of fuckery, which is going to have a big impact on the blue-collar workforce because, largely, those are the people not complying with this stuff who are then being, you know, 
fired from their jobs or they're having to stay home or whatever it might be. Um, there's and and even places just shutting down constantly or having uh, lower amounts of people because people are leaving the state. All sorts of different reasons have impacted why there's not enough people there to do the job. And so when you have um, and and this is true of New York as well on the East Coast, which is where they've tried to develop extra goods that way so they can handle it. Um, but of course, it's, it's the same story. It's equally as controlled, equally as fucked by all of these mandates, regulations, and other interference. So there's not enough people to do this, which means logistics are all kinds of fucked. There's all sorts of rescheduling going on. There's all sorts of changes and supplementary labor and you know unplanned for things that are now stacking up and have to be quickly taken care of, not through kind of contingency plans, but rather uh, more, you know, band-aid fixes, which are not cheap. So that is causing our inflation, because this shit has to get paid for somehow, and it's being passed on to us. Not our, not our so gracious governments who are willing to splash cash on fucking this, that, and the other, you know, uh, what was it, fucking gender studies in Pakistan and seeing if cocaine makes pigeons horny, but, um, you know, our, our money isn't staying in our pocket to pay for this inflation. Instead, it's being fucking taken from us. And then this shit, which is a consequence of government action, we're being forced to pay for regardless anyway, in addition to all the taxes, etc. as blood from us. Uh, but I, dig I digress. <laughs> so, uh, they're calling this non-transitory inflation, as in real inflation that's going to stick around for a while. And, I mean, that is going to be a real fucking issue if you're not, if you're not a prepper. Because shit's going to get more and more expensive, and there's every chance that supply lines will start to fuck up way more grievously than this. So, it might, things might just become too expensive to ship them here, in which case, they just will not be the shipment, you know, the, the business will not be worth it for them, and it, it just won't happen. And then this could happen with all sorts of things, or, or just even very real supply issues are happening all over as a consequence of, you know, supply shortages and supply chain fuck-ups. It's all a nightmare, you know. Apparently there are 16 containers for every truck that arrives at port, so every single trucker that drives to port to take a container to its destination. Um, there are 15 other containers for every truck available compared to what there needs to be to, to get it moving at, you know, regular pace. Like, a driver is there for every single container um, being delivered. So, that is a major fucking lack of manpower. And, you know, for, for anyone who knows the truckers in this kind of community, Especially, uh, you can really see them over on Liberty Twitter, there's quite the group. Um, they're fucking exhausted, they're, they're driving their asses all over this fucking country. I'm sure they're making bank, but, you know, fucking destroying these guys. So they put it like this in terms of just the, qu the sheer quantity, and this is for my, my more autistic listeners uh, who like their numbers, because this shit doesn't click so well with me. But um, if 60 shit... So, they're estimating around 60 ships off the coast as at present. And so they say, If 60 ships doesn't sound like much, understand that these ships are monsters. 
carrying as much as 23,000 TEUs, or 20-foot equivalent units, containers, or half that number of FEUs, 40-foot equivalent units, the latter being the more common intermodal size that you see trucks hauling. Each FEU container can hold up to 29 tons, or 29 elephants if you're in public school. Um, example, an average dishwasher weighs 77 pounds and displaces some 16 cubic feet. So one 40-foot container, which can hold up to 58,000 pounds and about 2,000 cubic feet of cargo, could contain roughly 125 dishwashers. In theory then, doing the math, a single ship could hold 1.4 million dishwashers. 125 dishwashers times 11,500 FEUs per ship, which is about 16% of the total number of dishwashers shipped in the US in a, in a recent year. So, 16% all dishwashers shipped in the United States, a country of 300 million odd people, can be on one ship. And we have 60 of them out there right now. And, you know, it's not just dishwashers out there, it's all sorts of supplies from, you know, bullshit goods that you don't really need, it's just luxury stuff. Um, people are apparently buying up lots of patio furniture, hiking boots, shit like that, you know, when they had more leisure time this year, or this last year. And uh, also we had shit like, you know, the whole toilet roll thing, and uh, a lot of food, all sorts of goods. Uh, simply put, we just have an over-dependence on foreign supplies. Not enough is made here. That, I'm sure, Anglo could fucking dissect. There's a whole litany of reasons that's happening. So, so they, they continue on. It's time for us to produce them, these, you know, supplies in the US, or to diversify the supply chain. And he continues, uh, I don't want to be alarmist, but it's hard to see this completely cleared up anytime soon. Experts say that the shipping snarls could be with us through 2022. And, and so something that is a major impact on how things are going is, you know, simply COVID restrictions. So they say COVID protocols, but we know what that means. With COVID restrictions, you've got 200 countries with 200 different rules. So just the, the logistics of getting a ship from one port to another and crossing international borders and, you know, foreign workers on the ship and all sorts of fucking stuff. It is a goddamn nightmare making anything function. So anyway, uh, some people, to, to cap that one off, some people have been talking about uh, supply chain issues as manufactured. And, you know, it's, good, it's a good conspiracy theory. But really, I think the, the answer to many conspiracy theories is simply the government are fuck-ups and they try and fix their fuck-ups with government solutions which always turn out to be yet more government fuck-ups so you know it, it, it's it's sexy and all that to imagine this evil cabal at the head of things but really these people are power hungry morons who are just who won a popularity contest and are hitting buttons hoping it fucking works and running on things like you know Keynesian economics and all sorts of ill-advised theory on on how you correct things. You know, these are the people that are saying inflation is in fact a good thing. So, you know, shocker when they fuck up our, uh, our whole economy. Cap that one off there and move on to what I was doing in the woods. So, it has been fucking killing me being in the city recently. I, f 
fucking despise it. I'm I'm thinking about having property all the time. And uh, if you've caught a recent Art War episode, oh, quick shout out to them as well because they, we uh, we just published today. Um, we surpassed sixty nine thousand four hundred twenty plays of the Art War podcast, which is of course Seaburn, uh, made up of uh, Mitch and Nathan's show uh, that I produce. And, um, so we've had very fucking good luck with that. Uh, their, their audience is particularly healthy anyway. They're already at, what, 50k plus on Instagram. So that's transferred pretty nicely to listens as well. And so, um, yeah, they, we, we published that they, they passed 69,420 listeners. But in fact, by the end of the day, they passed 70,000. So sitting pretty on that, uh, hoping to make 100k by the end of the year. I don't know if it's, uh. It's too tight to, to call that one too early. But um, that's the goal. You might have heard them recently, episode 15, uh, Mitch and Nathan were talking about acquiring property. And so this is something we've actually all been discussing. Um, they, they, they were like, hmm, we don't know if the, uh, if the third person wants to be mentioned in this, but I don't give a fuck. Acquiring property is definitely a big focus of, of mine and, and now ours as a group with... with talking fairly seriously about doing it together, maybe traveling out to Wyoming to look at some land together uh, around Thanksgiving, so that, that might be fun if I can manage to swing that. But anyway, it has been a big focus of mine to go and spend more time in the woods, in the wilderness, like I used to when I, when I first got here, but then I got fucking bogged down with life and, you know, all the rest of it. So, uh, as of recent last maybe six months, I mean, I've done... Uh, I've done a fair bit of outdoorsy shit, but... I mean, the summer gets too hot anyway, down in the southwest. Uh, to do too much during the summer, it's effectively our winter. Except, uh, you know, I don't have to plow my fucking drive or de-ice my car to go to work. Yeah, it's it, it's a focus of mine to get out and do more in the wilderness. And so, uh, Spirit Resistance, aka SOR, who we've had on the show, uh, invited me out to uh, to the woods with him and his, his little gang. It was good stuff. So we were, uh, it wasn't like a, like a hardcore LARPing weekend, you know, it was just a chill camping trip and, you know, we're a bunch of prepper-minded people, so guns and gear comes out of us. Except, I didn't know, I mean, A, I was in a bit of a rush, because it was kind of a last minute, like, oh no, shit, we can go out this weekend, rather than, um, I didn't know if we'd be able to or not. I, uh, I kind of half-assed it on my gear, because I was like, I don't know how larpy we're going, and uh, I knew, you know, some girlfriends and wives were coming, including my lady, so I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want to bring all of my shit and just abandon my woman at the camp while I go play in the woods, you know, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not that kind of dude, so uh, I brought, like, my battle belt, handgun, and some, like, basic, basic gear, like, not really... A full kit or anything. I was just bringing it to maybe do some pictures out in the woods, and uh, I, I get the, and it's just uh, SORs chilling by the fire, and uh, I'm like, but there's lots of vehicles around. And I'm like, well, where's where's the rest of the gang? And they're off, uh, they're off in the woods, <clears throat> doing a little, little bit of recce stuff. And I'm like, that's fucking killer, cool. So we settle in, start getting set up and stuff. And they come back, you know, full gear, nods and all that shit. Love to see it. And, uh, there's, there's some guys I've, I've hung out with before, uh, real nice guys, good to hang out with by the fire. And, um, I don't know, the weekend was really good, 
because it made me realize something. Like, it doesn't have to be either, you know, a LARPing in the woods weekend or like a chilling by the fire in flannel and blasting the radio kind of weekend. You know, it you can you can mix and match uh, your training on on what you want to do. And so these guys were. I, I really do fucking commend them on, on just how they do it, because it was a more casual weekend, you know, they weren't doing any training in particular, other than, um, you know, kind of kind of maintaining those those skills, you know, they had their running their comms from uh, their camp to, to people out patrolling, and of course, you know, running patrols themselves, uh, you know, some guys got lost in the woods uh, for a minute. It, wait, well, not nothing serious. It's not like we're out searching for them with fucking lanterns or anything. But you know, they they went for a, a fair walk and they they got a little bit turned around, and uh, that was that's fucking good. People people will, like hear that and be like, oh, you know, off in the woods laughing or whatever. But that's really good shit. That means they're actually fucking learning something. They're not just you know, going for a wander, two hundred meters from camp in in full gear and hiding in some bushes or some shit, they're, they're generally, like, getting out in the wilderness, and that's the other thing, we weren't, we weren't out in some, you know, camping area, sitting around in multicam like fucking losers, we were really off in the sticks, you know, it was like, like a good, uh, wilderness area, and so if you're out there, you are out there, you <laughs> probably won't have signal, uh, you'll be in terrain that's not that clear. There's not necessarily a trail running down or whatever. Um, and so they got lost. They got a little bit turned around. They had to figure it out. And uh, you know, I didn't have my rifle on me, so I didn't do too much stuff. I did. I went out and did a little patrol with one dude. And um, yeah, it was funny. I wasn't expecting to have you know masked gunmen in the in the bed of my truck this weekend, but uh, I should have known better. But all good fun, and, um, you know, it's, it's good to just chuck some gear on and go for a walk in the woods, uh, fucking Lucas Botkin from T-Rex Arms was talking about that recently, posting, uh, a very rare pic of him in Canada, it's like, you know, it, it's, he said something to the effect of, it's, uh, it's free training, you know, you don't have to be spending 500 bucks in some class, or, or even just doing flat range stuff. Like, just chucking on your gear and doing a little patrol and some basic stuff out there with your, your guys, it's free, you know? You can go and do that this weekend and make something of it, you know? Really figure out, is this gear appropriate? Can I can I get in and out of vehicles with it? Can I... Is it noisy when I move? Do I have everything I need? If, I, if I'm off on a patrol and, I don't know, say a firefight happens, I can't return to base camp, I, I literally have to just fuck off from there, maybe be uh, detached with no no help for a few days, am I going to be able to sustain myself? Because you can't eat fucking ammo, just having, you know, six mags and a camelback, is that going to be enough for you? Are you going to be able to sustain yourself, or are you going to have to ditch your fucking gear and, you know, run through the jungle? <laughs> so, it was really good to see those guys out there balancing training and play, you know? Like, we, we had a good time, it's not like we were laughing the whole night, the guys would come back, chill around the fire, enjoy some shrooms, you know, <laughs> enjoy a smoke and some drinks, some music, some some chatter and some lively debate, you know, it was, it was good stuff, it was really, really fucking healthy and, and what people should be doing, and 
like I said, it doesn't have to be... Think of it like a slider. It doesn't have to be 100% one way or 100% the other. Like, you can go out and chill for the weekend and have a really relaxed campsite. Like, we weren't... We could have been practicing noise discipline and bringing our, our vehicles off the road properly, camoing them up, and then, you know, moving further into the wilderness and setting up proper camps and all, all that kind of stuff. And we very well might in the future. But... This weekend, it was just, um, you know, it was, it was a break from that kind of thing for these guys who, who do this shit a lot more often than I do. And uh, I'm definitely going to step it up on, on that side of things for me. Because, uh, like, it's just intelligent. It's just good muscle memory to be practicing this stuff and to, to get out there and fuck up sometimes, you know? So, uh, and, and figure out what you need, what's unnecessary, what can be cut, what's, what's stupid, you know, like, if, if you went out to the woods with your lads and, and you've got all the Gucci kind of IG drop culture gear, you know, you've got like a choc, choc chip camo plate carrier or, uh, whatever the fuck it might be and some, you know, multicam black, uh, G3s or whatever and you're out in the woods and you're like, hmm, all of my guys are wearing Ranger green and, and basic green heavy camos, and I, I'm sitting here like spotted dick, you know, <laughs> I don't know why I said spotted dick, I was just feeling, feeling it, but, yeah, it, it's just good stuff, so, big shout out to those guys, uh, hope you join them again in the future, um, just, it's just good to get out there and, uh, see how your gear rattles, so, um, yeah, give that a thought, figure out you know, something with just, just your mates, how to, how to get on with it, and um, use it as an educational experience, and like I said, it's fucking cheap, and you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a hardcore weekend, you know, just spend a few hours doing some stuff, and relax the rest of the weekend, that's all you have to do, you know, simple as that, it doesn't have to be uber secret, uh, figure out what you want to train, figure out a way to do it, go out and do it, and then improve upon those skills. I think uh, I think that about wraps up the news for the week, and we can get into your questions. I think I've got the last joint in the house in terms of what weed we have left. Uh, so I can't smoke that right now because my lady's not here with me, and she'll skin me. So instead, I'm going to smoke some <laughs> fucking roaches and uh, drink this White Claw. We always have White Claws when we go camping. We never get them, really, otherwise, unless we have, like, a party or something. So, yeah, I'm working my way through some, some claws, because there's ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, as, uh, as they say. Um, I think that was Rothbard. Let's find this. Alright. How far will it have to take in order for the people to finally break their comfort? Um... I mean, clearly we've been allowed to get pretty fucking uncomfortable. We're coming up to the second anniversary of this fucking pandemic. Two fucking years of major discomfort, people's jobs being threatened, people's entire lives being fucked up, being told where you can travel, who you can see in terms, you know, even be, people be, even being told they can't go to their parents' funerals. Fuck, that's a disgusting roach. So clearly people can get pretty fucking uncomfortable. So to break their comfort, I mean, literally people are going to have to be forced into 
I, I mean, more than just a different living situation, but like an entirely different standard of life. And, you know, again, it could be argued that we're currently living that, but I'm talking about middle class people finding themselves, you know, suddenly lower class through completely artificial means, you know. They've been forced out of their job because of a vaccine, which someone, you know, very plainly pointed out. No other vaccine in history has been required to to work, you know, in, in the vast majority of, of companies. You didn't need, or in businesses and such, you didn't need to have proof of your measles and all the rest of it, you know, your, your vaccines for all that shit, to workplaces. But all of a sudden, this one, this is the one, the one that's making Pfizer and Moderna hundreds of millions, fucking billions in profits. So... People seem pretty fucking complacent and pretty obedient, which is upsetting for the United States. I expected a bit more, that's why I moved here, you know, but I'm an optimist and I, I do, I, I guess I, uh, I had a little bit too much faith in, um, in Americans. So at this point in time, it's very hard to know what will be the masses lying in the sand. It does seem to be emerging, because we do have many ordinary people, you know, people trying to put fucking food and shelter, <laughs> shelter on the table, food on the table and shelter over their fucking loved ones' heads, um, and they're being, they're being denied, denied that, and these aren't people who are used to having their work impacted in such a fucking menacing way, so... It's pretty jarring, you know, it's pretty abrupt to be like, yeah, no, fuck you, you know, like, you are, you have to bend on this, otherwise you don't get to live, you don't get to fucking provide, we're gonna take the very thing that makes you, you know, a man, to, 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 for many people, that's a big fucking part of their, their psyche, you know, they bust their fucking ass to provide, and, and not just men, you know, fucking men and women providing for their families, being threatened if they don't put a product, a medical product, in their body that they're not going to be able to provide for their families anymore. And this is all via fucking state coercion. So, I think that is going to be where we see at least a significant number of, of Americans start to draw a line and start to say, no, we're not complying. But... I don't know. I think uh, I think I do think these supply chain issues are gonna have an impact on that too. I think it's gonna get to a point where people are like, "This is fucking ridiculous." I, as uh, resurrecting freedom always says, you know, when people get hungry, is when people start to get violent, and you know, people don't want to be violent necessarily. People want to be fucking peaceful because violence, you know, incurs risk, and uh, violence is. And, and should be a last resort of any common sense, sensible fucking human being, but when you're being starved via artificially caused reasons, and, you know, going back to the lockdowns that caused the initial supply chain issues and, you know, all of the resulting labor shortages that are also as a result of restrictions and regulation, over-regulation. Christ, why, why did I correct myself on regulation to over-regulation? I probably heard someone say that and they're fucking gotten into my brain with their bullshit. Regulation of any sort, which will make some people, you know, shudder, but fuck it. 
work with it, keep up. Who knows what the line will be, but I do have a strong feeling we're going to see... I mean, it is emerging, in my in my mind. I think people really are starting to say, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go hungry and keep on playing fucking nice with you. So, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> do you think that people will just take Bill Gates' land that he has purchased and use it for their own? Uh, so... Some some people won't know. Uh, Bill Gates has been buying up. I ah, fuck. I I don't know how much, but I, I think thousands of thousands of acres of farmland, if not tens of thousands of farm acres, of acres of farmland. Sorry, I'm all fucking blocked up. Got the poof or something going on. I don't know what's getting to me. Yeah, I. In fact, I think he might be one of the might be one of the biggest owners of farmland in the U.S. If not the big, I saw some fucking ridiculous headline about that recently, but I don't want to go amiss. Regardless, Bill Gates has a lot of farmland, and he is, you know, famous for running a tech company, so that begs some really fucking weird questions with what he's doing with all of that land. Clearly it's not for just building, you know, bougie mansions, it's, it's for something else, and that's pretty unsettling. So, um, <laughs> do, do I think people will just take it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he, he'll he be able to hire the best MIC defense force around, regardless of what happens with the state, you know? Bill Gates will always have some kind of fucking muscle at his disposal if he wants it, and he'll fucking need it if he has all that land to protect. He'll need some kind of security agency, and I'm sure there's already one assigned to it. Um, do I think people will just take his land anyway? Yeah, I think they'll fucking try, and honestly, I won't shed a fucking tear. For Bill Gates, he certainly a profiteer of some nasty shit, if not a sinister human being in his own right. He's a fucking oddity. Uh, I think his agencies will attempt to defend it, but I mean, the amount of land he has, the amount of manpower it would require, and he could certainly afford it, but it would just be a bit silly to have that many people out there, you know? Um, but who knows, if if people start to incur on his land, start to infringe on his land, uh, I'm sure he'll be fucking booting them off so he can do whatever creepy shit he's up to, whether it's, you know, taking over the beef industry or creating some kind of fucking camp, I don't... God knows. Fucking... Maybe he's building his own kingdom. Becoming his own fucking state. Microstate. I don't know. I, I Honestly, I hope people fucking infringe on his land. Because he's creepy. What is the worst experience you've ever had with the police? Um, <laughs> some of you will know this story. I haven't really... I told it... I used to tell it a lot more when I first started out. But it's kind of not been a point of conversation... It happened so long ago now. Back before I left the UK, surprisingly, my worst experience was with British cops, even though they don't carry a fucking handgun on their side. Just as fucking useless. Um, so I was assaulted in England. I, w I was on a night out, uh, done with the night, back, you know, doing the uh, traditional food run before you stumble home at 3am and we're out by this fucking like 
kebab food truck or some shit in town center. I think I was waiting on my mates to get that food or whatever. And this fucking chav comes up. And he just holds this fucking, like, dorky-looking cunt with this stupid, like, no facial hair apart from just, like, a goatee kind of deal. It was just a fucking mess. Uh, guy, maybe, maybe around my age, and he has these two fucking lads either side of him. And I'm just chilling there, I'm like, I look, I look at him like, like, what the fuck do you want? And he just holds up his hands, and he counts down, like, three fingers from ten. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then he just sucker punches me. And, and keep in mind, I'm like a few, a shot and a half away from blackout drunk here. The guy fucking sucker punches me. I go down and I fucking bounce my head on concrete. And I start bleeding out of my head. Concussion, I'm out cold. And uh, my mates fucking like go after the dude. One guy stays with me and uh, someone calls an ambulance for me. Anyway, long story short, the NHS fails to identify a serious concussion, which led to massive amounts of memory loss. Like, my, my short-term memory is fucked, and I think my, my long-term memory was damaged for a significant period of time. <laughs> I think, like, I can't remember. Yeah, but, um, but I, I would look at some, some of my closest friends, people I've known since I was, like, six years old, I would look at them and I couldn't remember their fucking name. Dis like more more distant family, I couldn't really remember their names. It was like like really weird shit. So anyway, we you know I'd never fucking bumped in, into this cunt in my life. Like I hadn't so much as shoved him in a in a club or you know chatted up his his woman. I uh, didn't know him from fucking Adam, and he just some some fucking aggro cunt. Looking, uh, you know, put a notch on his belt, feel good about himself, fucking going out and sucker punching people. So I, I gave a report to the fucking police at the hospital, and this, so this is the, for, for those who've heard on the e-militia where I, you know, infamously complimented a cop on their thin blue line patch, this lady officer, blonde, like, slightly older blonde woman, she had this blacked out Union Jack on her stab proof vest, blacked out Union Jack with a thin blue line through it, and being, like, a conservatarian, libertarian at the time, this was right before my fucking big plunge, and you'll see why, uh, I, <laughs> I said, um, nice thin blue line patch, officer, and she said, thank you, I'm surprised you know what that is, and I was, like, a proud little bootlicker right there, and honestly, it's a miracle I never fucking Kurt Cobain myself, having done that. Because even just thinking about it makes me shudder. So, ugh, fucking disgusting. That woman was a useless cunt. She was nice enough, but useless. Um, and so was the rest of her fucking department. So I had this uh, detective or whatever. No, he wasn't even a detective. He was like some fucking kid, basically. He was like a few years older than me. And he was, uh, <laughs> at, at the time, this was a few years ago now, he was, um, he was in charge of my case, and, you know, very sympathetic, blah, 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 uh, you know, so sorry that happened to you, we'll, we'll make sure we get the fucking dude, and so, my mates, at the scene of the crime, <laughs> it sounds so fucking dorky to say it, I've never said that before, but at the scene of the assault, someone said to one of my mates, you know, oh, that's, you know, uh, that's Roddy Cuntflap, 
And um, <laughs> it's not his name, but just for the purposes of this. So uh, someone said, oh, that's Roddy Cuntflap. And um, that was all we had to go on for who assaulted me. And so we told that to the cops. We gave a description. And someone at the scene, you know, gave us a town that they, they said they went to school with him. And, uh, and they knew the town he grew up in. So we gave them that information. That's all we had to go on. Gave that to the cops. And they went off with it. Or rather, it went in a file and they did fuck all. And uh, that's about it. And so in the meantime, you know, I'm heavily concussed. But I don't know this for like the first week because NHS, thank you. National Health Service, for those who don't know, it's fucking useless. Um, and I, so I'm sitting in bed, feeling like shit, recovering. Oh my god, what, and before I even go on with that, I, a mate fucking, who was out on the night out with me, who had been hanging out with me the whole day before that night out, then stayed up with me at the hospital until like 6am, and then drove me to my home county, because we were in a different county, so like, almost an hour away. Um all the way back fucking home, and then stayed with me in the morning to explain to my parents what the fuck had happened to me, because they were just dumping me on, on the doorstep, you know, with, with two black eyes and heavily concussed with memory issue, issues and shit. So uh, he stayed with me until then. Absolute fucking legend. Love that man. But anyway, so I'm sitting there in the fucking dark, not knowing any better. I'm, I've got nothing else to do, I can't do anything, I can't do my graphics work, so instead, my dumbass, I put my TV, you know, to my credit, kinda, on a lower brightness setting, and I binge-watch the entirety of the Friday the 13th series, and the entirety of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, as well as a few others. Uh, I had a massive horror movie, like, classic horror movie binge, and it was fucking awesome, but I was so concussed and miserable at the same time. And meanwhile, I'm going back and forth with the cops, you know, giving them reports, telling them the same thing like three or four times. And, uh, so meanwhile, my mates are doing their own little private investigation. They're, they're like, finding out mates of this guy on Facebook and calling them and figuring out, like, if he was out that night. Doing all sorts of, like, sneaky shit. Interviewing people just kind of innocently, but, like, you know, not directly. And that just goes to show, and these guys are not, they weren't military guys or anything, they were a couple of students, design students, uh, you know, smart enough dudes, but no special training or anything, and they're going around collecting intel like journalists, and it's it's that easy, and that's something I, I need to write about in the future. But intel collection is very, very simple, because loose lips sink ships, and people don't always think with OPSEC, very, very fucking few people, in fact, think with OPSEC in mind. People just fucking spill their guts to you. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind, you know? But, so anyway, weeks go by, I think like two, three months go by, absolutely nothing. This guy's still living his best life, just randomly assaulted me. Um, and it turns out, he's had, he's assaulted people in the past, and just gone away with it. And so, uh, the investigations go on and on and on, and my mates eventually give them enough data that they're like, okay, fine, we'll bring him in for an interview. And so they interview him, he's like, absolutely not. Uh, in fact, he assaulted me. And I was like, I'm gonna this motherfucker. I swear to fucking Christ. He assaulted me and he protected himself from me. But then he also, when he was initially phoned, this guy wasn't the brightest, uh, when he was initially phoned to come in for the interview, 
he said that he wasn't even in town when he when that happened, and then he changed his story to no, he assaulted me first. So he kind of fucked himself there. The cops had to book him, and, and it turned to a whole fucking trial. It went on for fucking ages. Uh, getting him into court. It wasn't like like a you know me on the stand giving my piece or anything. It was just, just the the basic court process to sentence him to anything. And uh, so he said he was going to plead not guilty, and that was a whole fucking stress. And then he bitched out, "Oh my Christ!" And uh, got swig this white cool thing about this shit. I wish I wish I had my drink smoke. Hmm. So after like. A fucking year. He has to pay me a thousand British pounds. <laughs> uh, and he he gets sentenced as guilty and he gets put on fucking probation. And this guy had already been put on probation before, but British prisons are so full um you know that there was nowhere to put. It just wasn't worth it in the in the state's eyes. Now my feelings on prisons are mixed. I'm still figuring out where I stand on all that kind of stuff. I'm leaning heavily prison abolition. I, but what happened, regardless, was not restitution to me. This guy paid me a thousand pounds, which was not enough for my pain and suffering, because I actually lost so much fucking commission work during this, this period. I lost out on way more than a fucking thousand pounds just not being able to work with a concussion. And the resulting pain and suffering and, like, memory issues has heavily impacted my life. It's a, it's a daily issue where I'm like, fuck, why can't I remember this, you know? Like, so, just to, <laughs> just to vent a little bit about this cunt, and, and to get in, into, like, restitution, stuff like that, um, it wasn't restitution to me, that he got put on fucking probation. And get this, the fucking second he was off probation, and my, I, I was watching this guy, I had all sorts of tabs on him, I was, I was losing my fucking mind over this, crazy, trying to get this guy fucked, uh, just cause he, he fucked up my life in that period, he, you know, my whole semester was fucked up, life was just way more difficult, for no reason, you know, never fucking met this guy in my life. So I was like, I'm gonna fuck this guy's life. Uh, if the law won't, and this is when I was going heavily anarchist, I was like, the system doesn't fucking work, and I was already skeptical of it in terms of, uh, military, at this point, I had, I think I was, I was about ready to, like, drop the whole military shit, so this was a really, really stressful time of my life. And this, this fucking night out was like the, the first night out I'd had at, in ages. And then it turns into this. So I was also like super like fuck clubs, fuck going out, all that shit for a while. And still, still kind of lean that way. This was, this was a pretty big crux in my life. Um, in terms of development. A little bit of, a little bit of character development from a serious fucking injury. So anyway. After all of that, the guy gets off probation, pays his thousand pounds to me, you know, that's it. I can't do anything to him, and I'm like, if I see this motherfucker, I'm going to assault him, I'm going to go to prison, because that's typical. That's how the system works. It would be premeditated, I'd almost certainly use a weapon, 
And then I'm going to prison for realsies while this motherfucker walks free. So, just, I was just like, alright, forget this cunt exists, you know, as much as I can. And then, this motherfucker goes on to assault not just, not, not just another person, he assaults a 73-year-old man and, I think, two younger, two younger women in the same day. Uh, and this was maybe like a month and a half after his probation ended. Oh, and with his probation, he he like he couldn't go out on weekends. He uh, allegedly, I'm sure he fucking did, because I I doubt their monitoring is good. And uh, he he had like uh, what do you call it? A curfew and all of that good shit, which you know is more funny than an effective thing for me. But whatever. So anyway, he he goes out and assaults some more people. And after, like, a whole fucking thing with that, he still gets put on probation for, like, a third time. I have no fucking clue how the English justice system works, but... Or, or rather, doesn't work. It's fucking nonsensical. That whole fucking ordeal, I was like, what the fuck? I, you know, I... I didn't know what the fuck to think about law, and I was already, like... This, this was right around the time Daniel Shaver got killed. By police. And I was eyeing up Arizona as a spot to move, and I saw Daniel Shaver get murdered by fucking cops by Mesa Police Department. And then this happened to me, and I was like, not only are they fucking useless, incompetent pricks, who, you know, we did the investigation for them, we gave them all the evidence, and they dragged their feet for months to just interview this guy, yet alone arrest him. And then the whole court system took ages. The whole fucking thing was the, the biggest stress of my life. Because I didn't know if this guy would be still walking the streets. And it wasn't just like a, you know, oh, this guy might assault me again or whatever for, for going hard on him in terms of prosecuting shit. Pressing charges, rather. But, um, which is, you know, I, a reason I wanted a fucking gun. I'm like, I don't want to go through this shit again. I want to fucking be able to defend myself. I don't want to fucking deal with this shit. But on top of that, I'd seen it completely fail. It, it just didn't do the job. This guy, clearly an, a serial assaulter, just a violent psycho, that there was no consequences to his actions. Not really. And, and there was no less than zero restitution to me. I was fucking angry with how it was handled. So that, not only was it the worst experience I've ever had with the police, but it completely fucking changed my... It, like, it really opened my eyes to just... You know, I was skeptical of the system. I'd, I'd seen Ferguson, I'd seen now Daniel Shaver. I'd, I'd always been like, you know, firearms officers can suck my fucking balls. They're, they're pedophile-feeling pieces of shit who have to come to your house to see where your gun safe is. I was like, fuck these pigs, you know? Fuck them. And, and, then, and then this happened, and I was like, Jesus Christ. It, it, was, a, it was a dark fucking hole, dude. I... I was like, I have to reassess my entire worldview, and that's why that's where I kind of dropped libertarian for anarchist, really, and I, I realized the military was not going to be a thing. I realized I couldn't stay in England. I I needed to be able to defend myself. I needed to be able to, you know, I needed to be able to get the fuck away from these useless cops because if they're not on my side, they're a detriment to me. And they don't serve and protect me. They just fucking inhibit me. So, they're my enemy, really. And and no, I don't mean that in a in a combative way. But I literally, 
you are suppressing my way of life, you, and you're certainly not helping me live it to its fullest, so fuck you. That was the worst experience I've ever had with cops. You know, I've, ha I've had some dickheads in the States, but, you know, nothing, nothing like just the, the world-breaking incompetence of being a victim and having to not only help yourself when you're effectively helpless, but, you know, where, where the system doesn't empower you to help yourself and, in fact, stops you from doing so. So, yeah, fuck that. Uh, I'm gonna try and keep it short and sweet so I don't run too long, but uh, we'll do a few more. Um, does three anarchist homies living together count as a cell? Absolutely. As long as you're, you know, participating in anarchist activities, as long as you're doing something with that, that energy. I mean, look at biting the bullet. You know, they they knock their fucking crayon eating skulls together and, and they came up with a podcast that's that's done a lot for the veteran uh, community, especially the you know the veteran liberty community, in terms of allowing them the space to openly talk about baby killer shit. <laughs> no, uh, to talk about you know being being a veteran and seeing the ills of government and you know that's just more a, a messaging standpoint. You guys could do all sorts of you know physical shit together, self sustainability, all sorts of training, all sorts of you know uh, some kind of entrepreneurial move that uh, allows you guys to be just more free in your day to day life with the financial independence it gives you, or, or perhaps a product that serves the liberty community, a product or service, so, there's, there's so much shit you can do with, what, three, does three anarchist homies, so there's three of you, that's, that's fucking, that's biting the bullet, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, that's like half the militia, so, yeah, absolutely, you can, you can do cell shit, there's a lot you can do with three men, you know, and, uh, make of that, Make of that comment what you will. <laughs> there, that's a lot you can do with three men. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry if I sound really blocked up. It's bugging the fuck out of me. What is the funniest thing you've ever seen? God damn, that's a hard one growing up in England. Um, Jesus. And I love my dad fucking very dearly, but he himself is a fud too. Um... Hmm, what is the funniest thing? Well, as a as a warm up, I I regularly send my dad pictures of my gear, being like, oh yeah, you know, just got some ceramic plates, you know, just got uh, you know, these magazines, just got this kind of rifle, whatever it might be. Um, and and he, you know, I I do it to kind of poke and prod him to be like, hey, look at how cool this shit is. You know, and like, kind of talk about why I have it with him because it's just a interesting conversation to have with a guy who's you know, a gun guy but not that kind of gun guy. Uh, doesn't really have the the prepper mindset. He he's all about self sustainability, but he's not like, like into prepper shit or even self defense shit, which is mind boggling to me. But you know, hey ho. So uh, I I send him pictures of my gear and stuff and. I, I always want to get those little comments, oh, what do you need that for? And like, I don't know, so, so, some kind of stupid stuff. 
he's not too bad though. He he never really gives me too much shit, even though I I want him to. So, ah, oh, the funniest thing, what? I'm struggling, man. Oh wait, no 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 no. I know I know what the fuck. All right. So surprisingly, it was in the states. Like I was trying to think of a good British one because you know that's kind of my shtick. But uh, no, I I gotta shame the fucking Yanks. I was down in Bisbee, Arizona, and not in Bisbee itself, and for those who don't know, Bisbee's like this cutesy little hippie town, it's like trippy, and it, it, it's an old mining town turned hippie town. It's, it's, it's cool, it's a good place to do drugs, um, but I think, that, I don't know if it's still counted as Bisbee, or like kind of just the adjoining town, like five minutes down the road, um, they have a gun store, and so I walked in there, and, uh, go figure that, you know, it's not uber tactical and cool, because you're a, a fair ways away from the city, you know, you're, uh, you're out on the sticks, and, <laughs> I don't know why I said that, said it like that again, uh, you're out on the sticks, and, uh, the only people around are, I guess, you know, hunters and hippies, so this gun store was, I walked in there, and, this guy looked, he had like, he, he just looked like a haunted house butler, but in flannel, standing behind the, uh, the counter, and I go in there, he kind of like squints his eyes at me like he's lost his glasses, and I'm like, oh, hi, how's it going? Mmm. Yeah, can I help you? I'm like, uh, you know, you got any, uh, you got any Glock stuff? I was looking for like, I was looking for suppressor height, um, glow-in-the-dark tritium sights for my Glock 19 at the time. And, you know, I, I was just stopping in there because we were... I, I saw it while we were driving around. And um, I was like, you know, maybe they'll have it. And they barely had Glock parts. I was like, oh my fucking Christ, I'm going to find like a, a Gen 2 or 3 in here. Perhaps, you know. Um, oh, we don't... We don't have those Tupperware guns. He didn't say any shit like that, but it, it was one of those kind of stores. Like, there was a massive 1911 display, and, like, the majority of rifles had wood furniture on them. And I was like, wow, in Arizona? Like, what the fuck? I'd expect a little bit more, you know, black rifles, but... No, there was, like... There's just fuck all in there, for me, you know, my, my kind of gun owner, gun culture 3.0 gun owner, I was like, what the fuck is this, dude? <laughs> I, I've never been in and out of a gun shop so fucking quick, including in Britain, and that's, to be fair, that's usually because I have to drive like two hours to get to it, uh, but yeah, that was, that was a fucking disappointment, um, probably the funniest thing I've seen. Alright. Let's try and keep it nice and tight uh, this week, and we'll do this as our last question. Uh, what's your ETA for people flipping shit over supply chain shortages? Um, hmm. I don't know. I I think it's probably going to be state by state more than kind of nationwide. Like, you know, all at once it turns to shit because. You're seeing very different levels of supply in different areas, like, uh, people have been discussing this on Twitter recently, kind of sharing 
what supply levels look like in their local local stores and some people you know it's it's like nothing's going on everything's fully stocked really no concerns you know no kind of signs maybe it, well and in that that in in some places you know some items are just fucking bare or in very low supply and then other parts of the store are completely stocked and then you have places that are pretty fucking barren and um this kind of varies largely from you know the coast and then going more inland uh personally in Arizona I haven't seen too much I'm I'm kind of in the you know the orange area here where we're, we're not not incredibly stocked but we're also not you know it's not too stressful right now it's just Sometimes I go to the store and I'm like, ah, god damn it, they don't have this, you know, and I'll I'll go somewhere else a couple days later and I'll find it. But some places it's it's looking pretty fucking dire. So, what's your ETA for people flipping shit over supply chain shortages? If if this continues to get worse rather than kind of, uh, you know, staying at this level and then getting better. If it continues to get worse, and the stress kicks in, and we see people, you know, start panic buying actual important shit, you know, last time it was fucking toilet paper and a few other bits and pieces here and there, um, you know, like sterilizing shit. But by and large, we we didn't have people, you know, uh, like canned stuff was in short supply, meat was in short supply in various stages. But it was never too scary. But, I don't know. If people start making a bum rush on food, it will get scary. If, and, and really, they should be. You know, certainly listen to uh, Pat Watson, Uncensored Tactical, and check out all of his prepping episodes. They're uh, definitely a good place to get started, especially someone who's scatterbrained like me, who wants to solve every fucking problem and have contingency plans for everything. It can be a little bit overwhelming getting into prepping, because you're like, I am a paranoid lunatic who wants to be ready for everything. So, that's a lot of money, you know? And, uh, Pat is fucking killer at breaking it down, uh, Barney-style, and kind of giving you a good place to start, you know, baby steps, and very, uh, very applicable ways to, to get into all that stuff, so definitely check out, um, Uncensored Tactical, the podcast, and and specifically look for prepping stuff, although, you know, he touches on all sorts of good shit. Anyway, to actually try and answer your question, what's the ETA on people flipping their shit if supply lines break up? Um, if I, if I had a good number, I would buy lottery tickets, <laughs> uh, which is a, a totally a cop-out answer, and I apologize, but it's um it's it's hard to say because there's so many shifting factors that you know, we have no idea if things will get better, things will get worse, what will, you know, shift it one way or the other. There's so many variables in this equation. It's impossible to tell when the whole thing could come crashing down or if it will, you know, soon. But I think if if there is some major issue and I don't know for whatever reason, the federal government just loses their fucking minds, and they're like, no more dock workers, we have to close all the borders, 
even though we're reliant on foreign uh, food and shit like that, foreign goods, um, they go complete fucking Iron Curtain borders, allowing nothing into the country. Um, I think it would take probably probably two months being really fucking generous before things got to the point that there was regular violence. I think leading up to that, it would be a fucking shit show. It would be stressful and things, it would, it would be two weeks of like increasing tensions and after that, like people wouldn't be going to work anymore. They would realize shit is gonna fucking, they have other priorities. Or at least the intelligent people would, and then once that started to show and the cracks were there, uh, the dummies would follow suit, probably. So, I don't know, it would be a, a real fucking scary thing. And, you know, we're, who knows how close we are to it. I mean, our working life, for, for many of us, is so fucking weird these days, and just the general culture is so fucking strange. So... Who knows just how close we are to it? Because, you know, we we are so close to it. We're we're and and by that I mean our life has just been a constant stress for like two years, but things are still kind of functional, but kind of not. And so who knows just how much further we have to go before it's just irreparable, before things get you know fucked up. Uh, and that's a scary thought. So. You know, I, I hate to be all doom and gloom at the end of the show, but, you know, it's a scary fucking time, and I, I, I want for as many of you as possible, you know, ideally all of you listening, to be prepared for the worst case scenario, and, and hope that we all just look like fucking mugs with a bunch of dry food sitting around, and, you know, I, I would love to be the lunatic who is wrong in the end. That would be ideal, you know? Um, but... If we're not wrong with our suspicions and our, you know, assessment of this weird societal tension right now, uh, we we will be in a lot of trouble soon, and we need to consolidate our skills, build good networks, and prepare to, you know, live through a really difficult time. It's already a difficult time, but it could get much fucking harder. This is this is a cakewalk compared to how bad things could get potentially. So. You know, it's it's scary shit, and it's not fun to think about, but really try plugging in your prepper brain, learn as much as you can. Like I said, Uncensored Tactical, really great resource. Jack Spearco, Survival Podcast, there's, there's so many great resources out there, so plug into as many of those as you can, and, uh, you know, it's, it's better to learn these skills and not need them than need them and not have them, and... You know, while I, I I definitely think firearms proficiency and, you know, a basic tactical knowledge is really important for the everyman to know, just having contingency plans for how you're going to live your everyday life is arguably far more important than being good at gunfighting. You know, you need to be able to survive any kind of collapse of, and, and that doesn't just mean like societal breakdown, but just breakdown of supply lines, as we've been seeing, you know. So, yeah, keep that in mind, develop those skills, prepare for an uncertain future, because <laughs> fucking knows what we're dealing with. So yeah, that is uh, all I have for you people. Be safe, you know, certainly start, like I've been saying, just there, uh, certainly look into prepping, 
if you're not already, certainly touch up on what you've got, consider everything, not just, you know, not just canned food and stuff, uh, not just ammo, consider, Resi talks about this sometime, you know, things like clothes, like, could you pick up, you know, a, a few packs of essentials, you know, just basic shirts and maybe a few, a few good pairs of jeans or, you know, a couple of good pairs of coveralls, whatever it might be things that you can be very utilitarian in. I'm not talking like, you know, pick out six nice outfits to fucking have. I'm, I'm talking shit you can wear day in, day out to make sure you're living, you know, <laughs> keeping up the scratch and um, all that good stuff. Think about what is important and what is most useful to your situation if, if things go to shit, if supply lines break down. Like, personally, I've, I talked about this a few episodes ago, I finished my pistol belt recently, or, you know, damn near finished, I think I basically only need a drop pouch, and then, or a dump pouch, rather, and then just to play around with it a little bit, and then I think I'll be pretty much good on it, and I did that because I'm like, you know, if I have to piece together this from just, I don't know, whatever the fuck I can find, like, you know, 511 pouches, and an army surplus, eh, I don't, I don't really want that, you know, I've, I've had a little bit of cash, and I wanted to do it right, so, you know, wanted to take care of it and just get it done, and I did. You know, and and honestly, gear shouldn't be the, the main, main focus, that's just something I've been meaning to get done for ages, so I did. You know, survival gear, uh, self-sustainability focused equipment and gear, all that good stuff. Ways that you can look after yourself if supply lines break down. So keep that in mind. I am gonna marry the absolute shit out of my girlfriend. I love that woman. She brought up to me uh, the other night. We need to sit down and make a list of prepping stuff. You know things that we. Cause we're like I like I said we're a bit scatterbrained. We're I I, I specifically definitely am, but I, I guess both of us are with you know, priorities with money, because there's a million things going on, it's kind of hard to to prioritize uh, too well if you don't sit down and think about it. And that's something we haven't done in a long time, is sit down and be like, okay, what is going to make us more secure if we prioritize right now? So, that's something uh, me and her are going to do, and I think, um, yeah, if you, have a, if you have a partner, certainly consider doing that, uh, if it's just you, same deal, you know, uh, even if you're, if you're younger, still living with your parents, hopefully your parents are sensible enough to see things are a little bit fucky right now, and maybe you can talk with them about prepping, you know, bring it up, um, what can we do to, you know, make sure our family gets through this thing, regardless of, of what happens, and you, you don't have to be going into, like, you know, Duma craziness, but literally just turn on the fucking news, they're talking about supply issues, they're talking about this shipping crisis. Do what you gotta do, put yourself into a better position than you were yesterday, make sure that you are ready for whatever bullshit comes up, because lord knows it could be anything at this point. Anyway, oh, coming, we're coming to the close of the year, which is kind of cool, it means we're, uh, we are coming up on the one year anniversary of doing this little solo venture, so that's also something I want to keep in mind. Really cool stuff, Big thank you to all of my listeners who came across from eMilitia and just my, you know, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it might be. However you found me, I just wanted to say I've been seeing the numbers growing recently, which is really encouraging. It means 
I think I'm getting a bit more comfortable with this show now. It's there's been weeks where it's been closer to being a chore. It's never been it's never been a chore, but sometimes it's like ah, oh, I haven't done the episode yet, and that was a bad feeling. And I've been getting away from that. I've been getting more comfortable and more. You know, this is this is my time. This is my time to kind of reflect and uh, and to reflect with you lot. You know, maybe maybe you get some you guys get some value from it. Um, it's awesome when you guys tell me what you do get out of it, whether it's just, you know, entertaining, whether it's something to listen to at work, or on your commute. Fuck the commute, dude. Yeah, I, I've been really appreciating the feedback you guys give me, and, uh, yeah, it looks like we're, we're figuring it out, you know, more of you guys are tuning in, and I really appreciate that. We're gonna be, you know, we're, we're approaching rivaling e-militia numbers, which is kinda cool, so, um, yeah. Big thank you for that, and also big thank you for everyone who's tuned into the Art and War podcast with Mitch and Nathan. Um, if for, the, for those of you who haven't, uh, I produce it. You can hear me usually doing the ad read, and you know who knows, maybe uh, maybe yours truly will be a guest on there sometime soon. But anyway, thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a good week and weekend, uh, maybe think about getting out in the woods, or maybe talk about it down in the bar with your mates, about, you know, doing a little bit of laughing in the woods, figuring out uh, how your gear rattles and what can be improved, you know, play around with some comms, all that good shit. Anyway, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>